0: Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, where we uncover the truth, one guest at a time. For those who dare to seek, Veritas is the place where they shall find. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. Tonight's special guest is someone many of you know. You have emailed for months and months, and many of you have compelled me to visit his ranch. James Gilliland is tonight's special guest. And speaking of James, I will be attending the e conference in Trout Lake, Washington, from July the 2nd through the 5th. I know a number of you will be there, and I'm looking forward to meeting you. For more information, visit our website, com and click on the e-SETI banner. To listen to the complete version of this and all our past and future shows, Become a member. You will receive immediate access to all our inventory of shows, that's 81 to date, and a few bonus interviews, the Manticore Forum and the Veritas chat room. So just head on over to our website, veritasshow.com, click on subscribe, and take Veritas with you. Next week's special guest is Jim Mars, who will discuss his new book, The Trillion Dollar Conspiracy. This is Jim Mars, Veritas style. And the following week, by popular demand, he is back robert morning sky 2012 and beyond where do you look for answers regarding 2012 could they be hidden with the ancient ones robert morning sky will give you plenty of clues find out why he retreated once again and why he is back to veritas and just a quick comment do you remember during my last conversation with cliff high but we were discussing all the poisons in food and the fact that I can't even find a a decent chewing gum without neurotoxins. Well, many people wrote to me saying I needed to try Glee gum. Folks, this is not a commercial, but it is rather a thank you. You see, I immediately called the Glee gum company. If they were as good as the people who wrote to me said, they sent me a shipment of most of their flavors. And I have to tell you, I am happy. Glee gum is all natural, gluten-free, eco-friendly, made in the USA with no artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners, no preservatives, and it is made with chiclay, which helps conserve the rainforest. Again, they did not pay me a penny to say this. It is my way of saying thank you to support a company that manufactures products in the USA and are all natural. Thanks, Molly, for the shipment. I don't smoke and I hardly drink, so chewing gum once in a while helps my concentration. And speaking of Clive High, guess what? Many of you have written saying that Cliff is going to be on another show for his last appearance of this year. Apparently, so many of you bombarded Cliff with email requesting another Veritas stop that he will do it. If you thought the last show was important, wait until you hear the next one, which should coincide with the release of the next report. So thanks again, Cliff. You know you're part of the Veritas family. And regarding the metal case 8GB USB drives preloaded with all Season 1 with 59 episodes, all in CD quality, guess what? They sold out in less than 24 hours. So if you're interested, I have opened a link where you can put your name and email address and we will contact you when the next shipment arrives. I had no idea they would sell that quickly. So go to the Veritas store and you'll see the link right there. (laughs) It is very unfortunate that the gulf oil disaster has not been contained and yes that is the name given by the government gulf oil disaster abbreviate that after analyzing all the news many are suspecting that this may have indeed been a false flag event and for those who don't know what false flag means i could do an entire show on the background of this phrase but let me give you a quick definition false flag operations are covert operations which are designed to deceive the public in such a way that the operations appear as though they are being carried out by other entities. The name is derived from the military concept of flying false colors, that is, flying the flag of a country other than one's own. False flag operations are not limited to war and counterinsurgency operations and have been used in peacetime. I don't have to name other events. I'm sure if you listen to this show, you can figure it out. But before I get into the analysis of others, let me tell you why this event does show signs of being premeditated. Goldman Sachs sold 44% of their BP shares weeks before the event. Other private asset management companies sold large chunks of their BP shares, making Goldman Sachs' sale look small. Wachovia, which is now owned by Wells Fargo, sold 97% of their BP shares weeks before the disaster. Tony Hayward, BP's CEO, sold one-third of his shares, 1.4 million pounds, and then he paid off his family's mansion in Kent for 1.2 million pounds. On April the 9th, Boots & Coots sold. Burton bought all outstanding stock in Boots & Coots, America's largest oil cleanup company. It's the same company responsible for cleaning up the mess that Saddam Hussein left in Kuwait at the end of the first Gulf War. On April 14th, in an email written six days before the Deepwater Horizon explosion, a BP engineer called the whale a nightmare. The email was released Monday by the House Committee on Energy and Commerce, and it's one of the many company documents describing the risky, cost-cutting decisions that preceded the disaster. And at the forum, the Banticore forum, that is, I have much more of this analysis, including what countries own BP, etc., Now, I have been flooded, and I really mean flooded, with information regarding the oil volcano. If I haven't responded to your emails this week, I apologize, I will very soon. I'm trying to process all this information, but it is overwhelming. Scientists, marine biologists, engineers, you name them. I have been in communication with many. Many of them have solutions, but the problem is, no one from BP or the government is listening. Let me read to you some of our communication you will then understand why Veritas is being blocked by various internet service providers around the world. I usually do my news section rather quickly, but tonight I'll take some time due to the importance of this information. And if you haven't seen me post that much elsewhere, it's because I'm posting at our forum. There is a new sub inside the Manticore called Gulf of Mexico Oil Spill. That's where I will start posting much of this information, as well as on Facebook. The following information comes from people I consider friends. The first one comes from Steve Colburn. He is an expert on chemistry and material science. This it when I sent him an email. I first corresponded with him and told him this. Hello Steve, I am not a scientist, but my logic has been telling me for days that the color of this oil, brown, not black, must have sand or some kind of abrasive coming up at an incredible speed, therefore there is no way. 30,000 feet of metal will remain intact. Erosion must be occurring by the minute. In your opinion, what is the worst case scenario here? And even if they cap it, the longer they wait, could the pressure of capping rupture the eroded pipe? I don't even want to think about this, but I'm also tired of covering the sun with my hands. Kind regards, Mel. And here's Steve's response. Hello, Mel, your logic is quite correct. The oil in that well is under very high pressures. 15,000 to 70,000 psi, that's pressure per square inch, depending on what source you believe, and the flow velocities are very high. This is 10 to 45 times the usual pressure that they are used to dealing with, about 1500 psi. For comparison, the pressure inside a scuba tank or welding oxygen cylinder is only 3000 psi. At these pressures, a Deepwater Horizon oil is coming out of the wellhead at very high velocity, a theoretical maximum velocity for a pressure of 17,000 PSI on a 20 inch pipe, the numbers most often quoted, is about 5,100 feet per second, which is faster than a rifle bullet. At anywhere near these velocities, liquids have enough kinetic energy to have a water cutter effect. They can erode steel and other hard, strong materials it is like a liquid bullet. With sand in the mix, as there certainly is here, sand and rock particles have been seen exiting with the oil, the erosion rate increases dramatically, as you might expect. Even accounting for turbulence and drag in the pipe, the flow velocity, at least in some portions of the pipe, is probably a large fraction of the maximum, and erosion is still a serious problem. Some oil industry people have said that by now approximately half of the two-inch thick steel of the well pipe has been eroded which sounds reasonable to me. The problem is even worse if, as is strongly suspected, the pipe has a rupture under the seabed, which is responsible for the oil seepage away from the wellhead that the ROVs have imagined. The erosion at the leak may be substantially more rapid. By the way, the theoretical flow velocity with the pressure and pipe diameter is about 85,000 gallons per second. Even if it is one-tenth of this due to drag, turbulence, restrictions in the riser pipe this makes the leak currently far greater than what they were admitting to a few days ago the worst case scenario that is beginning to keep me up at night is that the pipe will erode so completely that it will lose integrity the pressure will then blow out the pipe in pieces and the high velocity oil will erode the rock directly if this occurs the erosion rate will increase dramatically and the well will in a matter of days perhaps less Term from a man-made hole in the Earth's crust, spewing oil to a true oil volcano with a very large, hard to predict, bore diameter. Catastrophic collapse of the seafloor could also occur at this point, increasing the rate of oil release even more. In any event, a substantial fraction of the oil in the formation could be released within days in any version of this scenario. I have not done calculations on gases yet, but I would think a deadly, as in rapidly fatal, cloud of hydrogen sulfide could envelop most of the state of Louisiana and perhaps neighboring states as well. The U.S. government is aware of this possibility and has been from the beginning of this disaster. The answer to your question about capping is yes. If they wait too long to try to cap the well, the integrity of the pipe may well be too low to handle the pressure and the well would blow out again. Basically, if the pipe loses integrity, Nothing but an explosive capping method will work, as it seals the hole and relies on the weight of the rock itself to form the seal, as occurs in the natural confinement of these pressures. Use of large charges of chemical explosives to seal out of control oil wells is pretty standard in the oil industry. On land, at this depth in water, the effectiveness of chemical explosives is somewhat reduced due to the extreme water pressures, about 2300 psi. A nuke works better underwater. See the Bikini Baker, Wingham, and the Wahoo underwater nuclear tests. and may be required anyway due to the extreme depths of this well, as much as 35,000 feet, according to some sources. If an explosive method is tried, it seems to me that the worst thing one could do is not hit it hard enough. The borehole needs to be crushed along as much of its length as possible, but without creating large fractures in the overlying rock. The shockwave from a small nuclear device. 10 kilotons to 30 kilotons, which equals about 1,000 tons of TNT, should do the trick. The exact yield and placement of the device should, of course, be calculated and simulated. There are risks to anything that is tried to stop this oil release, but I cannot emphasize enough that time is of the essence. I think we have less than two months left before the point of no return. I actually don't want to think about this either, but we have to play the hand we're dealt. This is an emergency and we need to see things as they are. Anyway, hope this explains where I'm coming from a little better. Best regards, Steve. And I have to tell you, when I hear the word nuke, that really concerns me, but I'll leave that to the experts. Then I have information from Dr. Elliot Maynard, marine scientist. They have been directly receiving information from sources that they trust and respect. The sources are retired oil engineers, physicists, and master scientists that they hold in high regard. This is written to one of our, let's call them, de facto team, one of our team members. And you've heard that uh, we have James Fox, uh, James Horak, uh, we have Cat uh, King, and this is Kara Faye. It's written to Kara Faye. Dear Kara, earlier today I received this information from a brilliant scientist, a high-level ex-military source who I have known and collaborated with for nearly 40 years. I was asked specifically, not to reveal the source, but simply suggest that we somehow need to get the following message out to put a more realistic focus on the present situation. Quote, Yes, we have an almost unparalleled disaster that is ongoing. If they whoop the bottom with a nuke, as some are considering, then they will push in that tectonic plate against all its huge underlying pressure, momentarily sealing the cracks. But the following lashback and recoil will be far greater than was the in-push and that will burst open much larger sections of the bottom plate. In other words, it will then produce a situation threatening to destroy much of the life on Earth, including humans as well as other forms. So if some fool with political power orders the use of one or more nukes, there is a very high probability of vastly increasing the disaster to something that threatens the entire Earth and its life forms." Although I have agreed not to say more about this on the bright side, I have also had assurances that there is a small but dedicated group of scientists who are already working at above governmental levels internationally on applying some very advanced environmental benign nonlinear technology that can heal the gulf seafloor fractures and thus prevent an environmental disaster of global proportions i was given the scientific basis for this technology and i'm convinced it is the real deal but i'm lying This information personally gives me much hope during a time when national government, corporate and scientific agencies find themselves in a state of bureaucratic paralysis. As in times of crisis past, a few key leaders will rise, unite and work together to save the ship of fools who still seem unable to comprehend the potential impacts on the planet of the mess they have created. I know you will find a way to somehow share this information discreetly in the right places to perhaps create some healing and hope for a brighter and more environmentally sustainable future for our planet. We need all the hope we can get. The last one, and as I said, I have plenty of these that I'm putting at the forum. This one comes from Dr. Judy Wood. You may know her name already. She is a professor of mechanical engineering. This is what she has to say. Mel, well, as for erosion, I don't know why there's still something left to erode. Think about sandblasting a car or bicycle in preparation for a new paint job. Then imagine leaving it in the sandblaster too long. In any case, there is no way they would have drilled down there and not known it was such a high pressure. I really have a difficult time believing there could be pressures that high. For example, the yield strength of S36 steel is 58,000 psi. In other words, if you filled the hole with a solid steel plug, the pressure would crush the steel. So how did they drill the hole? Well, tool steel is 116,000 psi yield strength, but still, that makes no sense. What kind of rock is holding the rest of the pressure? Or is it buried so deep that the ocean water pressure helps back the rock? In any case, if this were being sandblasted with 15,000 psi air pressure, there would be nothing left in an hour or so. Just intuition. In fluid, it would probably last a little longer. not two months since the event. So if there is abrasive in there, it seems that it should already have eaten through it by now. That is, the thing should have eroded by the end of the week. So the fact that it has not eaten through it by now makes me wonder what part of the story isn't right. That was Dr. Judy Wood. As you can see, these are only a number of professionals commenting on what is transpiring. I have plenty for more information to share, but I don't have the time right now. And I'm not even getting into the gases. That's another angle that requires immediate attention. Breathing the air will become more and more difficult. The media is reporting about the spill somewhat, but they're not saying that toxic gas is coming up too. And that's not referring to the already toxic fumes coming from Corexit, the dispersant being sprayed. So for updates and more news, visit our website and our forum. That's where the real discussion is taking place. Remember, my interaction with you does not end with the show. It only begins. And I'm also on Facebook. And now, get ready to spend a night of true enlightenment with a true being of light. What can we do as human beings in order to ascend? What can we do to circumvent the establishment and break the shackles of social engineering? What truly happens at the James Gilliland Ranch? If you want to believe, stop this audio now. If you want to know, don't go anywhere. James Gilliland is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. This is Jason Moore from Urban Talk, and you're listening to Veritas. James Gilliland is an author, minister, transpersonal intuitive counsellor, visionary and founder of eSETI, enlightened contact with extraterrestrial intelligence. His books include Becoming Gods, A Reunion with Source, Becoming Gods 2, and Ultimate Soul Journey. He is also featured in two videos. Project Contact, and The Keys to Utopia. After a near-death experience, James was expanded into the, what he calls interdimensional mind. This greater awareness brought him into a greater understanding of the vast interdimensional multiverses in which we live. James has radio talk shows called As You Wish with James Gilliland on BBS Radio, and on the World Puja Network called Contact Has Begun, which also happens to be the title of of this Veritas episode uh, directly from Trout Lake, Washington, home to East City, right next to Mount Adams. I would like to introduce for the first time on the show, James Gilliland. Hello, James, and welcome to Veritas. How are you?
1: Oh, doing great. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: It's my pleasure having you on. And before we discuss your background, James, I want to address and put some rumors to rest regarding a statement you made last November. Many people misconstrued it when they heard, quote, James Gilliland calls it quits. If he had quit, I wouldn't be attending the upcoming conference at your ranch in July. So tell us what you really meant and what triggered that reaction. Let's clear any confusion people may still have.
1: Yeah, there's there's been a lot of backlash on that. And I wrote an article, and basically what the article was, was talking about was that I'm I'm getting off the circuit, the major UFO circuit. I was going to continue doing my... You know, workshops and classes here, and the conferences here. And the main reason why I was getting off the, the speaking circuit out there is because it's become so convoluted, and uh, there's so much disinformation. And the you know the boards and a lot of the major conferences are so uh, corrupted, you might say, with you know CFR people and New World Order people and military, and and they're just going in a direction that. You know, was promoting a lot of fear and a lot of againstness, and completely contrary to making any future contact with, you know, any advanced beings whatsoever. So, so basically, after butting my head against uh, even some major talk shows, I just said, you know what? Uh, you you've established your character and your and and your program, and I'm going to move on and continue with mine.
0: So, in other words. Uh... And this is something I want to address uh, throughout the show. Do we believe that the UFO circle has been infiltrated?
1: Uh, definitely, 100%. It's, it's, it's gotten so bad. It, it, you can see the program where it's going, and, and they have an underlying theme. And one of the themes is to keep it far away or keep your heads cranked back to the past. And, and that's one that keeps people away from what's happening right now and what's going on now. And the other theme is that it's all negative, it's all bad, and you should be very, very afraid, and you should grab your guns if a UFO appears, because they're going to, you know, abduct you, slice and dice you, and make human pilaf out of you or whatever. So so those two programs are just rampant in the UFO community, and... And unfortunately, they've censored the people that have a really high message, the people that are really in contact, that see the big picture. Most of those people have been censored out of the, out of the UFO uh, community and, and the lecture circuit as well.
0: Dr. Stephen Hawking comes to mind. What's your reaction to his latest uh, statement?
1: You know, it was very short-sighted and wasn't very thought out, and it does fit right in with that program. I know he's a member of the Royal Academy of Science or whatever, and that's been their right. program for, for quite a while, is to either avoid the subject altogether or or keep it dark. So, you know, it's not to be, uh, well, let's say it's just it's to be expected out of anybody who is very entrenched in the status quo or the mainstream science, that that is the position they're going to take because their funding depends on it.
0: And I'm glad that we clarified this because some people thought that for some reason you were disappearing from the map and you were keeping the ranch off limits, but that's not the case. So I'm glad that we, mm-hmm. we put this direction. Now, for those around the world who may not know who you are, why don't you give us some background of yourself, your childhood, where you grew up, and what experiences made the James Gilliland of today?
1: basically I had a lot of experiences as a child uh, with off-world visitors, and I really don't call them abductions. They're more of a willing participant program and something I agreed to much earlier. So I had a lot of experiences as a kid, and they're very benevolent, very teaching-oriented, and and healing as well. And uh, I had a uh, bronchial pneumonia when I was five years old and almost died, and had a being appear to me with electric blue eyes, a beautiful woman, and she'd stroke my head and talk to me, and she actually gave me a substance, which kept me alive. Uh, it was kind of the consistency of ice cream, but it wasn't cold, and it was a white-colored substance, and, and you know, the doctors told my parents I probably wasn't going to live through the night, and then I'd be, you know, bouncing around in the morning. And they couldn't figure out what was going on or how I'd have such a, you know, an amazing recovery, but uh, those were some of the first experiences, and then You know, I went through, uh, you know, the standard educational program and and, uh, mainstream education, went to college, all the other things. And then, you know, I left college and went into commercial real estate and, and, uh, um, you know, went into that program. Uh, You know, and then in the middle of that, I had a drowning experience, and that just blew me wide open uh, after the drowning experience. And I went through the tunnel that everybody talks about, But I I ended up in this golden white light that they call the plane of bliss, and it was the most loving, joyous, blissful experience. And, and you know, I totally had to burn all the old images of the source and what it was and, you know, the black and white program that we've been taught. And through that experience, that kick-started you know, what I call interdimensional mind, you know, realizing that there are all these planes and dimensions out there and they are inhabited and we are not alone in the universe. And there's some extremely high masters out there involved with this and the ultra-dimensionals, and you can't really separate ascended masters or ultra-dimensional or angels. You can't, you know, pigeonhole all this. It all ties in together.
0: You know, everyone is feeling it. Something is in the wind, something grand is unfolding on the horizon just around the corner, a knowingness and feeling that soon it will no longer be business as usual. Is it tumultuous times of exciting social, economic and physical earth changes, a collective initiation and ascension into higher consciousness and energy, a grand reunion with ancient ancestors from the stars? What is truly happening, James, and what have your contacts relayed to you?
1: Well, they've been talking about a grand shift just around the corner. It's not too far away, right, you know, right now. And, and back in 82 and even in the late 70s, they gave us information about these times we're going through, and they said that, you know, we would go into several cycles of these increased solar activities, and those would be triggering, you know, more earthquake and volcanic activity, uh, they said it's going to escalate all the way up till uh, the the next couple they've been talking a lot about just the next couple years that we're going into and you know they're they're saying that there is going to be a wave like an immense wave of energy coming in and when this energy moves through it's going to create some very intense changes on the planet and those who can't adjust to these energies aren't going to fare well and it it has all to do with frequency. And the frequency, let's say each and every one of us, our own individual frequency consists of our attitudes, emotions, and beliefs in the world in which we live. And uh, not just this life, but other lives as well. We're carrying these frequencies or these energies with us. And the people that are focused on tyranny, you know, on the control and the manipulation and the greed, they, they have a very low frequency. And when these energies come through, and they have been coming through wave after wave after wave, but there's a big exponential wave coming in around July that's going to to uh, just create an, a huge shift in consciousness and energy on the planet.
0: You know, I've done shows on chemtrails, and I know this is probably not a topic that you discuss, but trying to connect the dots and seeing the energy and the sun plays a big part in this. Mm-hmm. I always wonder, because chemtrails are usually seen flying over populated areas only, I wonder if the blockage of sunlight may have something to do with the whoever's doing this, trying to prevent those of us who want to ascend, who want to vibrate with a higher frequency, if they're trying to block that energy from coming. Do you have any comments on that?
1: Yeah, Actually, I've been very involved in the chemtrail subject, and we actually got it out on on Channel 11 here quite a few years ago when it first started back in the early 90s and uh, received a lot of flack for it as well, and nobody believed it was happening. And, you know, although we brought uh, William Thomas and and, uh, a lot of the the people that have been really involved in this since the beginning, and uh, we brought blood specialists, all these people that were measuring the... uh, you know the mycoplasm increase and everything going on you know the the toxics uh you know the aluminum oxide the barium the
0: barium- uh, mm-hmm.
1: you know the the ethylene dibromide, and all these things are extremely carcinogenic and very uh they're poison, basically the bottom line is the poison and uh uh now all the research is coming out and it's finally starting to turn in the direction of exposing what's going on but you know, to me, is, is uh, you know Edward Teller was the one that that devised this program, and he's the same guy that wanted to blow off nuclear bombs everywhere and and up you know keep testing up in the atmosphere and let it rain down on everybody. But you know we have these psychopathic scientists that are are uh, you know getting huge grants for these programs, and they're not there's no EPA oversight or environmental protection oversight. There's no um, civilian oversight whatsoever into these programs, and so you've got a bunch of psychopathic scientists and military leaders that are actually believing them, and political puppets that are going to go wherever the money goes, and, and so basically it's a it's a very sick, uh, short-sighted program, and uh, I think they're all being inspired by some darker forces uh, that are, you know, just here to wreak havoc and keep the awakening healing process from going forward.
0: Well, I'm glad that you've been discussing and researching into this. Have you come to any conclusion as to why, because many people continue to say those are condensation trails, and we know they're not. What's your conclusion then?
1: that? Well, basically, definitely they are chemtrails. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, the evidence is there. It is a joint uh, Canadian-U.S. military operation they're doing, and you know, the, the levels of, of aluminum and barium that they're taking out of the snowfield and the bug die off and the fish, fish's bellies are empty and, and it, you know, it's making the water extremely alkaline, um, all of that is having severe environmental impacts. And, it's you know, it's not just on the wildlife, it's on human life as well because if you look at what aluminum does and what barium does, you know, to the body, you know, it creates all these upper respiratory problems, creates heart disease, it creates gastrointestinal problems, muscle and joint pain, all the side effects, you know, of these chemtrails are just off the scale right now, you know, in the public. So, I mean, they're here, the side effects from them are here. It's an undeniable experience. And and I just think, you know, whatever is behind this, uh, is a very short-sighted group that's actually carrying this out. They haven't done their own real investigation into what this is all about, and they're being inspired by even darker force that would like to see a good portion of humanity not be here You know, in the days to come.
0: So you think that's your final purpose of chemtrails, to reduce the population? Is that the reason why?
1: Well, I think it's to dumb down the masses and reduce the population, mm. and and you know these guys are basically warring on life itself. It it's, it's a very uh, very sick group that is at the head of these programs, and you know and they've duped people into believing that we are, you know, we're trying to block the sun from coming in. We're trying to stop uh, the solar radiation because it's going to affect our computer chips, and they, they have all these. Exact excuses for what they're doing, but you know the bottom line. When you ask them, well, isn't aluminum a poison? You know they go, they go well, and they won't answer that. And then you say, well, how much? How many tons of aluminum are you spraying in the air every year? And it's some just outrageous amount. And and you go, has there been any environmental impacts on this? And they say no. That's There's no that. no studies whatsoever on the effects that it's going to have you know, on the populace or the the wildlife or anything. They're just up there, you know, spraying willy-nilly, just, uh, and we'll see what happens in the long run.
0: There are chemical studies that have been done, and they have been taken to the EPA every time that the people go to present this to the EPA, which every single one, barium, aluminum, and all the rest, exceed the amount that's allowed by thousands of percentage Mm -hmm. points. And all the time they just say we don't want to deal with this they they fire people who want to look into this it's in, it's incredible yeah
1: uh, 1200 times 1200 times the the accepted amount of uh, barium and aluminum you know in these snowpacks. and yeah there has been outside studies where they've taken it to them but there won't be any inside studies as you said and, and they won't even look at it and the, you know the news won't touch it with a 10 foot pole whenever somebody does bring it out they're fired or moved you know to some podunk county out in the middle of nowhere they end up losing their jobs
0: exactly now let's just move on a question in many people's mind is why trout lake or should i say mount adams or the yakima reservation nearby what is so special about that area james
1: you know this area has a long long history of ufo activity going back to the native americans and they said they used to have a relationship with them and there's a beautiful crystal city underneath the mountain underneath Mount Adams just like Shasta and some of these other areas the same legends are there and there's some extremely advanced beings humans you know looking much like us and they used to take their wounded or their sick you know to this door and they would open up and take them inside and you know they'd have broken legs and things of that nature and they would be healed up in just a day or so and they would come back out and they'd be completely healed So we've got that history there. We've got uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek did uh, research here. Um, Kenneth Arnold, who spotted the, he actually coined the word flying saucers, saw the ships when they descended on the western slopes of Mount Adams, which is our front yard. And, uh, you know, fire tower operators, uh, uh, you know, tribal police, regular police. Uh, There's so many reports here. It's an ongoing thing. And it's never stopped. It's it's continuous, but there's a, a very serious effort to censor what's happening here. And and as we said before, the greatest censorship is actually coming within the UFO community.
0: And I want to touch on this. This is very important. But speaking of the Yakima Reservation, do you think indigenous people, not only there, but around the world, still have ancient knowledge and are afraid to disseminate it, and, and that is why they are shunned, by the establishment in so many ways.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. It's my great grandmother was was Cherokee, and we have a lot of background. Um, we're like Scotch Irish Cherokee, and uh, you know, I've I've been very involved with a lot of the Native American elders and and listening to their stories, uh, you know, as well as their prophecies, and and uh, you know, they all they all talk about their ancestors as coming from the stars. Some of them, you know, point to Sirius. Some of them point to the Pleiades, the, the greater majority of them, you know, point towards the Pleiades, and they say the Earth was colonized a long time ago, and people had to start over several times as primitives due to, you know, catastrophic Earth changes, but, uh, uh, you know, basically it's been a part of their their legends, it's been a part of their 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 wisdom, you might say, and, and uh, they've known about the Star Nation's you know, forever. It's just part of their culture. It's not a big thing to them and, and especially if you go down to Mexico or or, you know, any of these other countries and you go to those great pyramids and, and those structures and you say, Who built these? They just point to the stars and they said, you know, the gods. You know, the gods built them. And uh you know, you look at all the old you know, the Anunnaki just means those who came from heaven to earth, so same with the Nephilim so so those all those stories all point back to the stars and and I've seen in my own uh research you know that if you talk to any of the the really old Tibetan masters or yogis you know the the ancient Vedic scriptures are just replete with descriptions of UFOs and the different types of ships and the different armaments on the ships and you know they they say there's physical ships there's uh, there's energy ships, there's magnetized light ships, there's merkabas, which are pure consciousness and energy, and they give very clear descriptions of each kind of ship and the beings that are on them.
0: And of course, the powers that be call them legends, they call them <laughs> mythology. I recently had uh, Drs. J.J. Uh, J. and Desiree Hertek on, and, mm-hmm. and they said something interesting, that we need to start demythologizing history, because history has been mythologized. Do you agree?
1: Oh, 100%. Um, I love JJ and Desiree. We have a lot of long talks about this. And, uh, you know, what's funny is that he, when I met him, I spoke at one of the major conferences and, and he came up and shook my hand. He said, Thank you so much. He said, What's happening to your ranch? I wrote about it. You're validating my work. And uh, I didn't know who he was, you know, and I just said, you know, I go, well, thanks, you know, thanks. I said, who are you? And he he goes, J.J. (laughs) Hertek And (laughs) and I go, oh, the Keys of Enoch guy, you know.
0: That's right. That's right. uh,
1: What's interesting is I saw light coming out of his eyes, and I was going, who is this guy? You know, this is a real different character here. But uh, uh, since then, we've had a lot of uh, conversations about all of this. And and some of the beings that I've experienced up here... Are identical to the ones that he's written about, you know, concerning the Orion Council of Light, you know, the Andromedans, the Pleiadians, and all these beings that he's talked about. And the Arcturians are—we've actually experienced them firsthand here.
0: And this, uh, what I'm going to say, reminds me of my friend uh, Robert Morning Sky. I've had guests on this show like him tell me that the answers to the secrets don't lie with our government or within our government, but in the archaeological sites. Hidden or Forbidden Archaeology. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, I agree 100%. Uh, Michael Cremo and a lot of these guys that wrote the book, you know, Forbidden Archaeology, makes it a very clear case that there were extremely advanced beings here 600, you know, million years ago. So uh, uh, the evidence is there. It's been suppressed, you know, but it's, it's there and it's always been there. And and really, if you, it seems if you want to really know what's going on, going on, find a culture that, uh, a very ancient culture, and then ask them, you know, try to find one of the elders that's been, you know, that's kept abreast of the ancient uh, teachings and ask them right. what's going on. And and you'll find out a lot of the Tibetan masters, and we teach some of the Tibetan tech um, kind of technologies here, spiritual technologies here as well. Uh, they all say uh, the practices of Kunlun, which we teach here as well, come from Tibet. They're 2,000 years old, and they've been held, and they're just now being released. And so we asked them, well, what was the origin of these teachings? And they, they say, well, actually, these teachings go back to Egypt, and from Egypt they go back to Atlantis and Lemuria, and from there they go back to the Star Nation. So so they're very ancient you know, like Qigong, you know, they're very ancient meditation techniques and holding the body in certain postures that open up your energy channels and, and they, they give you like a quantum leap in, in uh, evolution.
0: With your interaction with these uh, some of these Tibetan monks, did you ever discuss, and, and I say this because I interviewed Joseph Farrell and uh, Jay Whitener a couple of weeks ago, and we discussed in Tibet the entrance to what's called the king of the world. Have you ever heard about that?
1: Yes, I have. Yeah, is that Agartha or the the inner earth or the uh, underworld cities?
0: Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. But yep. have yep. have they, have, have they yeah. told you
1: about it? Yeah, they have. And and we have actually have a doorway here. <laughs> you know, right here on uh-huh. the bottom. So, we've actually filmed that door opening and things coming in and out of that, out of that door and and we're using uh, infrared technology, video technology, and we're filming this huge door opening up in the middle of the mountain, and this being comes out of the door walking towards the camera, and he's got to be two, three hundred feet tall, light being, with his upper torso walking right straight towards the camera, and so there's many dimensions to, you know, these inner world places, you might say. There's, you know, there's actually physical beings there, there's less dense physical, and You know, there's a lot of different dimensions that are involved in these portals or gateways.
0: The question in many people's mind is, James, why do they, uh, I don't want to use the word underground, but why are they always in hiding, if you will?
1: Well, you know, mainly because we're a very warlike, aggressive species and, and we've... Right. You know, just chosen that path recently, and we're governed, you know, by the media through terror and through fear, and, and uh, you know, kept off center basically. And, you know, our, our spirituality is, is very backwards, you know, on the surface, you might say, compared to theirs. And it's very hard for them to even be around us. And any interactions with them, uh, we're programmed actually by the media and by the movie industry and everything else to. You know, fear anything. You know, off world or unknown. You know, it's either a ghost. You know, or it's or it's a uh, some alien life form. You know, that's going to slice and dice you and suck your brain out or whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, a probe you or whatever. You know, so so that's the program that people have been uh, under. You know, have shoved down their throat basically, and it's very sad. But Hollywood, you know, is really moving that. Pro- You know, you take the movie Signs, you know, the crop circle. You know, these incredible, beautiful crop circles are are giving us phenomenal information about the real physics behind creation. They're giving us, you know, symbols of the ancient past, all of these things. And they turn it into these reptilians warning us that they're coming to eat us, you know, so... (laughs) So, you know, they take something incredibly wonderful to open people up and, and you know, open up their consciousness to a, a greater reality and then turn it into something evil.
0: I'm going to use myself as a guinea pig for a second, a, a, a testimonial. You mm-hmm. know, for many, many decades, I was asleep after 9 11. I was uh, towing the party line. We need to go and get Osama bin Laden, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I started waking up. Slowly but surely, to the point that I created this show, and now I'm totally different than who I was before. I'm more spiritual. I still mix the, the scientific methodology, but I mix science with spirituality, which I think was the way things were thousands of years ago. But at one point they were separated, and that's probably why we are in the situation where we are today. So the media they keep us in fear so we don't wake up. Why is it that they don't want us to wake up? Because if we do Those in control will lose the control, James?
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's all about consciousness. You know, and they've they've never created a weapon that could enslave man, you know, permanently other than his own consciousness. And so I should say man, woman, you know, or humanity. But, uh, uh, you know, basically that's been going on for a long, long time. And they found out through the religions and through uh, misinformation and things like that, they can you know, take the God out of humanity and, you know, the creator out of all creation and put it somewhere up on a cloud. And that way they can do as they wish to, you know, the rest of humanity and and creation or demonize, you know, the other children of God and so we can keep the war industry and all these other things going. But uh, it's definitely a a program of control and manipulation. And, uh, you know, I always say if you want to end war and disease, take the profit out of it you know, they'll fall flat on their faces.
0: Absolutely. So establishing yourself there, building the ranch, et cetera, was that instructed to you by them? And when I say them, you know what I mean, as part Mm -hmm. of the process?
1: You know, it was, I didn't know it was, it's, my journey was very similar to yours. I'm more science oriented and, and kind of a show me type person. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I have an open mind, but you know, everything just goes into the interesting file until it becomes my own experience. So, so I, I think anything's possible out there, but I don't really.
0: I, by the way, I don't mean to interrupt you. I like what you just said. It goes into the interesting file until I can uh, experience it. I like that.
1: Yeah, but uh, that's my that's been my program, and uh, I was on an intense spiritual journey after the drowning. That completely changed my life. I had to reevaluate. You know everything and my job what i was doing uh you know my my concepts of god and and you know everything got turned upside down after that experience and so i was on a very intense spiritual journey to figure that all out and reconnect with that golden plane of bliss again that was my my program i was i was running and you know i had no idea that it would include these ets or ultra dimensional beings would come with the with the package but what i find is that on your path to enlightenment you are going to meet these beings because you know we are interdimensional beings existing in a vibrational continuum and as we expand in consciousness and move up that continuum and realize we're not just a body and a personality that we're a spirit that has a body and a personality and that spirit is multidimensional. As we move up that continuum, we're going to start experiencing all these different beings and it just comes with the territory.
0: And going back to the UFO community, let us go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Let's withhold names. But I want to make sure you know this show is not censored and you are welcome to say anything you wish to say. That said, do you think, again, I don't like to use the word believe, do you think the UFO community has been infiltrated by the establishment, the powers that be, the controllers, the dark agenda, whatever you want to call it, and if so, what specific scenarios have you seen?
1: Well, I have no doubt whatsoever just from my own experience, and I know that they're very, very fearful of the the spiritual side of things, and so they want to keep it all nuts and bolts, and as I said, in the past or in the distance are fearful. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, and, and you can see these people by their actions, you know, they have these meetings and my name comes up to be a speaker and, and you should watch the red faces and the anger and, and that comes out and, and all the false, uh, statements after that. And, and they expose themselves, but, uh, you know, again, I don't like, it's their karma and they're going to have to deal with it. They're either walking their integrity or they're not. And, and there's a thing called impeccable integrity and, and those, who aren't walking in impeccable integrity and that are in the field for all the wrong reasons are the ones that are most threatened by the work that we're doing here.
0: Sure. And James, it seems that many people are still hoping for government disclosure. Every year we hear disclosure is coming, is coming, is coming. Everyone knows my position here. As long as someone is in control, they will not disclose, not to mention the crimes that have been committed. Disclosure is happening at your ranch. It is a grassroots level that is occurring. Why do so many continue to be hopeful that our leaders who have been lying to us for decades will all of a sudden become transparent and disclose this information to us? If this ever happens, the first thing that would come to my mind, at least for me, false flag alien invasion taking place. What's your stand on this?
1: Well, I feel the same. I don't even know why we even looked at them. Why do you look for somebody with a track, you know, redundant track record of lying to tell you the truth i mean why do we even need to get acceptance and approval from them uh you know they they have shown you know in the past that they're they have a long long history of lying so uh to me it makes no sense and that's the program we have to break this mindset of putting our power outside of ourselves and waiting for them to tell us it's okay to experience and believe in the obvious and and uh you know, that just needs to be broken. But, you know, the bottom line is that the real disclosure is going to come from the skies, and there's nothing, you know, they can do to cover it up or suppress it. And it's already happening. It's underway. And and uh, it's not a forced thing so much as that we need to rise to the occasion, and you know, individually and collectively, and drop the fear and the aggression, and then they'll come and start working with us. But as, as long as we're holding fear and aggression towards them, You know, these are extremely telepathic and sensitive beings. They're just going to take the high road and say, we'll come back later. And and that's been my pet peeve with a lot of the UFO community. You know, I I tell them, I go, you want contact? You want to know the truth? You want to know what's going on? Then why are you promoting fear and aggression? And, and, uh, And how is that going to assist in opening us to, you know, join the greater family of man? And they just get this look in their face, and then they go on with their program.
0: Exactly. And I can never understand why we have to continue asking for permission from our leaders all the time. As you said, if they have a redundant track record, why even bother? I mean, this paternalistic point of view. We grow up thinking that if something happens, if there's a catastrophe happening, we have to depend on the government. All we have to do is go back in time not too far ago, look at Katrina. In New Orleans, how many people were waiting for the government to lend a hand and nothing happened? So that's not a lesson for anybody else in case there's another event. Don't expect the leaders to help you. You have to learn how to survive and ascend on your own.
1: Oh, I agree 100%. You know, it's it's the bottom line. It's an individual journey. Um, You know, we can take this Gulf oil spill and put that right into the quotient. You know, basically, you know, they gave them the okay. They waived the environmental impact reports. They waived the need for these special shutoff valves and everything else. And they just, you know, they were like a catastrophe waiting for a place to happen. And and we don't even know if that wasn't set up. You know, it could be another false flag 911 program going on to keep everybody you know, in fear again, and, and you know, hoping that somebody will come in and save them some outside force. But, I mean, that's another, just a huge mess, and nobody taking responsibility, everybody blaming everybody else. But, it, you know, in the meantime, the earth takes a serious, you know, environmental hit. And, you know, any way you look at it, I just hope people wake up, you know, and smell the coffee here as to what's really going on. And, and Contrida, too, a lot of huge uh, semi-trucks were turned around with all of this, you know, food and tents and shelter. All these, they're just filled with, with uh, uh, you know, help for the people, the victims of Katrina. And they were turned around and told to go back and were not allowed through. So there was definitely an underlying program going on there. And it definitely was not in the highest and best good of the people that, you know, experienced that disaster.
0: Absolutely not. I think it was uh martial law practice for perhaps future events, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to go there because that may be fear-mongering. But talking about the oil spill, I think this must be one of the most underreported and understated Pieces of news that we have seen in, in probably decades. They keep saying that it's not that big, but I call it, and as Cliff Hyde calls it, an oil volcano. Oh, and yeah. even today, today, th- this show, folks, if you're listening to it today, it was recorded a few days ago, and things may have gotten hopefully better, but maybe even worse. Today, I received news that journalists, reporters who were in the area of uh, Louisiana trying to film the coast, which is getting filled with this oil, are being harassed and threatened with arrest, not only by the Coast Guard, but by people from British Petroleum. What kind of jurisdiction does a private foreign company have to arrest citizens of this nation? So why the secrecy? Why do they continue saying that this is not as big as it is? Are we expecting it to, to, to fill the coast of Florida, Texas, before we can say we have a problem?
1: Pretty much, you know, that's the way they operate. You know, they they always under you know underplay what's really going on. They want to keep the status quo going and everybody, you know, you know shopping basically and and thinking that everything's under control. And this is totally out of control. They have uh, no control over it whatsoever. And and you know the amount of oil that's being spilled in the Gulf and where it's going to go when it hits these other currents is is going to be, you know, coming out in the in the future and I'm sure even, you know, with the oil on the beaches, they're going to, you know, have their people out there saying nothing to film, nothing to see here. This this didn't really happen and it's not as bad as it looks. Just, you know, ignore the <laughs> the the oil all over you and all over the wild, dead wildlife, you know, this this isn't really that bad, you know. So, uh, you know, again, it goes back to uh, you know, the the underlying agenda of you know, the major corporations and the corporate-owned media and what their program is. And, and basically, it's to keep everybody, you know, uh, enslaved through dependency and spending money and, and keeping the status quo going.
0: And I read this from someone who visited your ranch regarding the craft he saw. Quote, our first night there, James said, quote, let me see if I can get one to do something, unquote. And a minute later, one did. Very dramatically, in fact there was an Air Force captain standing next to me and a couple of Boeing guys and it blew the doors off, that's for sure. So anyways, yes, I've experienced that. Unquote. This is not the regular people like me who experience these sightings, folks, but there are military personnel and defense contractors and media personnel who experienced this. I really wonder what these people think when they see these craft. Do they say I've seen them before in a hangar somewhere? Or do they say, "Oh boy, have we been deceived?"
1: Yeah, it, <clears throat> it's a little bit of both because some of the people that come up here are involved in the back-engineered, you know, programs, and they. Right. What's interesting, they come up and it's like confession; they just spill, <laughs> spill their guts out on on what they've been involved with and everything else, and and the energy does that, you know, here. But we have. Uh, As you said before, we have uh, Air Force Base commanders, um, you know, air traffic controllers, pilots, uh, triple Ph.D., Boeing engineers. You know, all these people testifying, going on record, saying, you know, we saw these ships. They aren't ours. You know, one guy says, I'm involved in skunk works, and we don't have anything, you know, that can come in and increase to that size, move that fast, uh, make a right angle turn or you know morph into three ships from one um we just don't have that technology and you know that dispels another program too where where you know there's some of the you know the people that are running that exclusivity program and saying we're the only contactees and you know whatever uh they're trying to say that first of all they say nothing is happening here whatsoever And, and even major ufo reporting centers are behind this one and censoring this one but uh you know they'll say nothing's happening here, and then they change it over and say no, it's just military. That they're seeing uh, military craft and and or meteors and satellites, and 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 then it shifts to you know when we show the evidence that ships are are you know they're purple, green, pink, blue, every color, every size, giant pyramids, giant cylinders, uh, massive triangles. You know when we show the 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 diversity of what's happening here. You know, then that shoots down that category, and then they always shift back to it no, nothing's happening there, and and you go, what is wrong with these people? I mean, you show them the evidence, you show them what's going on here, you you have the top officials. I mean, we have advisors to the Pope come here, you know, and, and see these things, and they know it's real, but still, I mean, even the mainstream media is starting to cover it, and as I said before, the UFO community are the ones that are. That are actually doing the 99 percent of the censorship, and you would think they would be the very ones behind it so
0: that is an obvious pattern then that uh, if they are censoring this or not talking about it or, or ridiculing it, that is an obvious way to know that the intelligence apparatus has infiltrated the UFO circle in fact and i don 't want to say any mainstream any names uh, and I 'm not implying that if any of the guests have had in the past mm-hmm. uh, are probably part of the establishment but how can we determine with 100% certainty who has infiltrated James
1: you I know mean, a lot of times you look at their their foundation you go back in their history and and we, you know we all know that the navy is, are the ones that fund all these black projects and yes you know the space fleet and all the other stuff that's going on and you follow the track record of these people back, and, you know, and a lot of them came out of Navy Intelligence or Military Intelligence, and that's a good good indicator right there. Not that all of them are are you know people of, of uh, low integrity, but you know that's a, a, a definitely good indicator. And I see when they really promote the fear, you know, program and and that program that we need you know, we need to gear up and gear our defenses up and spend billions of dollars, you know, to protect against these beings. Then you see the military mindset coming in. And, you know, a lot of these people, you know, a lot of these politicians and people with a military mindset are telling the truth when they, when they say they have no uh, experience or have never seen a ship or they don't believe it's happening at all or they say it's all evil or whatever because the mind in which you seek is the mind in which you connect. And physicists have proven that we actually see with our brain, not our not our eyes are picking up billions of bits of information. Your brain chooses, you know, what it's going to make as its reality or accept. And so it's better to say that, you know, like I'll believe it when I see it, you should say, you know, I need to be open to it first, and then, you know, I might experience it. Because, you know, the universe works entirely opposite of what we think.
0: Well, it's it's the example of the natives when the the Columbus fleet was approaching the islands in the Caribbean, that they couldn't see the ships because they were not Mm -hmm. used to seeing that. But the elders were able to because they were more enlightened. But Mm -hmm. uh, the Navy, Bill Cooper, was the first person that I ever heard that the Navy was the one actually funding these uh, or actually uh, directing these projects. Uh, Bob Dean told me recently that Gary McKinnon mentioned that during his I don't want to use the word hacking, because he did not hack. There was an open door, and he just uh, snooped through. And by the way, I think there's a chance that uh, Gary McKinnon, for those who are following uh, his uh, ordeal, that he may be tried in the UK after all. And he would be—he won't be brought to death in a, in a U.S. prison mm-hmm. because of what he did. But uh, he mentioned that uh, there was a craft or a ship uh, called Roscoe Hillencotter. Carter. But when you do a search in the Navy, there's no such thing as a... Ship called Roscoe Hilling Carter. So, this could be just going around orbit uh, on Earth and perhaps is a, a secret space program funded by the Navy.
1: Well, you know, there is, we have those third generation military night vision goggles and some yes. other, you know, infrared technologies where we watch the skies. And there is so much going on up there that, uh, you know, any way you look at it, there are UFOs up there. They are unidentified flying objects. The skies are full of them. And if anybody has the equipment or really good eyesight, you know, they can see these. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is you got to know what you're looking at and, and uh, realize that, you know, you can only see one or two visible satellites usually over your area at a night you know, unless you have extremely, you know, perfect conditions. And, you know, some nights we've seen, we've counted 150 objects in the sky, you know, and some nights, on uh, a slow night, it might be 20. Huh. And, and they don't fit into JPL's J Tracker. They don't fit into Heavens Above Sight. They don't, they're nothing identifiable, you know, according to, to those websites. Now, are they ours or are they off worlders? That's another story. But the thing is that you can discount that program because basically these ships and we've done this redundantly they show up exactly when and where they say they are. So that proves that there's a telepathic contact that these beings are extremely, you know, advanced beings. And you know, when I go into deep meditation, they'll tell me when and where they're going to show up and the cameras are waiting and, you know, they get the footage and it it happened, you know, when Robbie Williams was here, uh You know, Mm -hmm. it happened when Danny Dyer was here and and Paranormal State came here and we told them exactly where to have their cameras aiming and what time, when, and where. And they even said on the air, you know, you did say 10 o'clock and and their cameras were waiting and they got a beautiful ship coming in nice and low, powering up, lighting up the whole sky and making a nice turn behind the trees and taking off and going behind the mountains. So, you know, you take all of that evidence, right there and and you can't tell me the ufo community hasn't seen this because it's all over it's all over bbs it's all over even hannity came out here and sent a crew out here and did a very positive thing on it because they they were making sean hannity exactly yeah it's on fox news and it was pretty they started out you know with the roswell stuff in the beginning and then when they got to us they gave us a very fair shake on it and they said you know uh and they showed that we we had the data up there, and we we you know we debunked the debunkers that tried to debunk us. We go, look, we're using your database. We're using your JPL, your J-Tracker site, and heavens above, and you're saying we're seeing satellites and uh, uh, space stations, and we're telling you that these things are landing on the mountain, and they're not coming at during the times when your satellites are supposed to be up there. And uh, there's no visible satellites over the area at the time, and we're seeing, like, 20 objects zipping all over the place, you know, making right-angle turns and stopping and starting and slowing down and, you know, powering up and interacting with the people on the ground. So, you know, it doesn't make any sense. And, And so I see is that, you know, you have a lot of the debunkers out there and you have the armchair investigators, and then you have the disinformation people, and, you know, all of those we're just going to have to discount and, you know, because, you know, like Einstein said, condemnation without investigation is the height of ignorance. And
0: Exactly. Yeah, and these yep.
1: people don't come up and see for themselves what's going on.
0: I use that phrase all the time. And, you know, you're always going to have the debunkers, even if you try to prove them wrong. Uh, If you see something and you don't see it in the JPL or heavens above, as you said, they may say, well, you're seeing a secret uh, spy satellite, which is not being reported. Mm -hmm. That's probably what they would say. But I have never seen a UFO because I can't prove it. However, I spent some time earlier this year with Ed Grimsley in uh, Nevada, and I did see a few of those boomerang-shaped triangles flying Mm. all over the place. They seem ours, a secret space program. What you see, Mm -hmm. even perhaps the Phoenix Lights could have been that. So if I go to your ranch, and I will be there at the upcoming conference, I'm bringing video equipment, Mm -hmm. and uh, I was gonna get uh, third-generation goggles and a very strong laser. However, I'm concerned that when I'm boarding my plane, I to be put in a no-fly list because of bringing this UFO paraphernalia, James.
1: Yeah, maybe you should mail it UPS or something first. But uh, good point. Yeah, yeah, I don't fly with mine. There's no way I'll, I'll bring night vision goggles and a laser or anything else. And even going down to Mexico, which I just not too long ago went down there, I didn't bring you know any of my equipment. But uh, you know, I don't. It probably isn't a good idea because, especially with the the mindset going on and the you know the fear program, they're trying to shove down people's throats. You know, it's uh, you know they're going to jump all over that when they see something like that.
0: Exactly, they won't believe that I'm just an innocent soul trying to make contact. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of media, as you said, representatives have visited your ranch after so many years. Why is the media coverage? So limited. And I thought at one point that the snickering and the ridiculing had stopped, but mm-hmm. but that's not the case. You turn on the TV and you still see them cringing and laughing at the people who bring this information out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we, we've had some really good coverage here. We had uh, uh, ABC come out, as I said before, Fox News came out. Um, we were on AM Northwest, uh, uh, Evening Magazine. Uh, came out here with their TV show. Uh, I can go on. on. We've had the History Channel out here. Um, All of these guys have done a a really pretty fair shake on all of it. There's a little bit of giggling, but, you know, they were actually backing us up because we gave them the the facts and the evidence and the history. But one thing I've seen is that when we have evidence here that's just, uh, you know, Irrefutable evidence of these ships coming, and we have multiple witnesses. The ships interacting with people, and they never show that. They always show the ambiguous stuff that where you go, well, maybe that was a UFO. I'm not sure, and you know they don't show the really good stuff. And and uh, you know that's kind of kind of sad, but but it, it has been changing uh, in a real positive note, and I think it has to. And the media is going to have to do something real soon because they're going to have total egg on their face and lose all credibility whatsoever if they don't start covering, you know, what's happening in the skies with a more positive or, or just a more truthful approach.
0: On your website, eceti.org, eceti.org I saw a video recently of uh, somebody left the camera and it seems as if shadows are falling from the clouds. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What in the world was that?
1: Yeah, that was an ultra-dimensional being coming in for a landing. <laughs> so uh, that was quite interesting. And, and the, they got some stuff here this weekend where they hooked up a night vision, an owl night vision. A friend of mine, Kerry, was out with his camera. And uh, he hooked that up to his just little video camera. And he was filming the ships coming over and, and responding to lasers and powering up and and everything. But... We've actually had, uh, like, a a monk was here, a Japanese monk was here, and photographing out in the field, and he got a beautiful photograph of actually Kuan Yin appearing. And uh, he also uh, photographed, you know, a couple other energies, you know, manifesting.
0: Why Why do you think your ranch has been chosen by these entities for contact?
1: What's going on here is that we've risen to the occasion. Uh, we've dropped the fear and the aggression and all the other nonsense, and we've been doing spiritual practices here for over 24 years, anchoring you know the consciousness and energy here, and doing a lot of process-oriented therapies to help clean up our consciousness so we can stand in the presence of these extremely advanced beings. And you know, because we've taken that approach is why we're so successful in, you know, getting this incredible footage and having these contacts and, and uh and that is the one thing that has kind of spurned a lot of jealousy in the UFO community because, you know, we're extremely successful and in doing so we've we've uh, taken a very spiritual approach to it. And because of that we have the evidence and the evidence is so far beyond and, and the information we're getting is so far beyond the understanding of most people in ufology that, that there's just a lot of jealousy and, and uh, just all kinds of programs going in. They're not just disinformation and, and uh, misinformation, but you know, flat-out uh, jealousy and, and just just a lot of nonsense happening in the community.
0: Our bodies have been designed to, to vibrate to a certain frequency, so we can stay in this dimension, just like we can only see color spectrum of a rainbow or hear certain audio frequencies. Are those limitations being lifted with the coming of, uh, let's say, the new age?
1: Definitely. We are. The veils are coming down between worlds, and you know a lot of people, you know even here at the ranch, when we do Kunlun or do the self-mastery classes, we actually have people disappear. And we have photographs of this where people, you can see right through them, and you can see the chair and just a vague outline of their body. So uh, we do have people that are moving beyond this physical experience and uh, experiencing other planes and dimensions. And what's really odd is that when you ask these people after the experience, you go, what would you experience? And they go, I got really high, high as a kite. And I go, where would you go? And they said, I didn't go anywhere and i said well I actually did because nobody could see you we could see right huh. through you and and what happens is the higher dimensions are fully aware of what's going on in the lower dimensions but the lower dimensions are not aware of what's happening you know in the higher dimensions and that's why you know when you see them with your eyes or take a photograph they seem to be disappearing or gone and we also do have the ability to raise our frequency up and jump out of this physical reality into another Uh, either parallel world or other dimension depends on you know your how adept you are at doing it so you know we have that ability this ability has been demonstrated by many lamas and yogis and and adepts in the past and it's just a matter of, of, of connecting in with our true nature and you know evolving beyond the body and the personality as your only identity
0: And we have to take our one and only break, James. And I want to let the audience know that when we come back, I'm going to show you. I'm going to uh, not show you because you can't see it, but you can hear it. An audio from an excerpt from my show with Dr. Brooks Agnew. You have no idea how many people in the last year have emailed me, uh, James, telling me you have to interview James. And you also have to go to his ranch and experience this for yourself. And of course, I will be very honest the scientific methodology in me, being skeptical with an open mind. But once I heard Dr. Brooks Acne recount what he went through at your ranch, and, and he was a little bit hesitant of talking about it, but I really pushed him. And he went all the way. And people who listened to him have written to me over and over again. And I want everybody to listen to that piece of audio again. And you, from your perspective, tell me also what you saw Dr. Brooks Agnew experience. In the meantime, James, how do we get in touch with your work and remind us once again of the upcoming 2010 Science, Spirit, and World Transformation Conference, That I'll be there too, folks. Tell us again more about the upcoming conference.
1: Yeah, we've got the uh, Science, Spirit, and World Transformation Conference coming up. Uh, I think it's July 2nd through the 6th, and uh, it's going to be an amazing conference. The, The lineup we have, you know, we have Mary Rodwell from Australia, And, you know, she's been doing hypnotherapy and and regressions and progressions and all that. We have Dolores Cannon also, who has taken people into the future and and covers all of this other dimensional, uh, otherworldly experiences. And and, uh, Brooks Agnew will be there as well. I'm not exactly sure what his topic is going to be, but we have Michal Ledwood, who was once an advisor to the Pope, going to speak, uh, we have, uh, I'm trying to think of the other ones. We have
0: uh, Alfred Weber, Paula
1: Harris. Yeah, just a huge list. I don't have that right in front of me right now, but sure. uh, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, Paula, yeah, Paula, Alfred Weber. You know, all of the exopolitics people have been here and have seen the ships, and so they know what's going on here, and they've been very good allies and supporters in, in what's happening here, and so. You know, I have to give kudos to them because they, you know, came, they experienced, and they they know it is going on. Um, Renato Longato is going to be coming back, and uh, he was the one that filmed the four UFOs at the last conference that came in. We had four big UFOs come over and light the sky up. And, uh, you know, one came in was white-colored, one was purple, and one was gold, you know, kind of an orangeish color. So you know, these came in all different colors, and they were they were pretty massive. You hear everybody screaming and hollering in the field, and and you know you know he's scanning the field and showing the different people and, and the ships as well, which was amazing. And we've got Lisa Renee uh, coming. Uh, she's wonderful. She kind of boils it all down as to all the different levels and the different groups, and. Uh, uh, there's, You know, there's quite a lineup. It's one of the most incredible lineups. And the people that I've picked are all handpicked, and they're people that are top in their field and very service-oriented, very heart, heart-oriented people.
0: And i met most of them, and I consider all of them my friends. And a lot of Veritas listeners will be there. They've already confirmed with me that they will be there. So I'm looking forward to being there with you and with everybody else. James, stay with us. Folks, we have so much more to cover with James Gilliland. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for listening. We still have about two more hours to go with our special guest, James Gilliland. Tonight's bumper music is courtesy of my friend Jason Moore from Urban Torque. The band's name is Avatars, and the name of the song, The Air, which is very poignant right now with so many people who are having trouble breathing around the Gulf of Mexico. So head on over to our website, VeritasShow.com, click on subscribe, and join us in the members area to tune in to the second part of this great show. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more.
1: Robert Morning Sky, and you are listening to the Veritas Show.